As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Hello and welcome to the Athletic Soccer Show. We are live on our first World Cup post-game. Looking at what's got all the action that's gone down today. My name is Jack Collins and I'll be your host. And joining me is the wonderful Christine Cooper. How are you doing, Christine? I'm, I was better maybe a half hour-ish ago, but I'm great. 45 I'm minutes great. ago. This, this just, I am not fully acclimated yet to the steady stream of World Cup matches that we are consuming, but uh, I am optimistic that by tomorrow morning's 5 a.m. wake up New York time, I will be good to go. This was your last lie-in for a while. You should, today you should be feeling better than you're going to do <laughs> I, tomorrow. Uh, I erred here. I um, I was awake at 5 a.m. by completely no fault of my own. I didn't even set an alarm. My body woke up and said, the soccer, it's calling. Um, and here we are. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we're going to talk through a couple of these games. Obviously, the US and Wales have just drawn one all. We're going to look back at England beating Iran 6-2. We're going to be joined by the Athletics' very own Jay Harris for that little segment of this podcast show, however you want to term it. And then we're going to take a quick look at the Netherlands 2 we'll win over Senegal as well. But let's start with the US, where the big story is. Well... I think that the big story, Christine, is probably how good the U.S. were in the first 45 Excellent. minutes. I tweeted that this is the best I've seen them since that 3-0 win over Morocco in June. And they came out and, and really did dominate a good Welsh side. Not Maybe not the, the perfect Welsh side, but a good Welsh side for the first 45 minutes of this game. I don't disagree. I, I actually did see your tweet about the Morocco match, and I quite frankly didn't know what we were going to get going into this match in particular. When the lineup dropped, I was extremely pleased. I had some maybe potentials in my head that could have been also equally good. But going in, um, they had pace. They had teeth. Um, the passing was fluid. Uh, they seemed really aggressive on the counters. They knew that they needed to minimize uh, Wales' space and in coming into um, the other half. And so I was like, keep them contained. This is smart. Maybe we need to play more balls over the top so that we can kind of maybe pull out Wea um, and keep trying at that. But 
the whole first half, I was filled with nothing but optimism. I was, I was like, the boys are confident. This is great. Also, they look like they enjoy playing together, which is always good because at this point in the cycle, you always wonder, you know, has any of this, you know, relationship squad deteriorated at all? Because it's a rough go, you know? And Greg had, you know, even going through qualifiers, he had swapped people around. We had like, what, like 29 players that that was their first go. Um, ever getting capped and trying to play with the squad together and sort of playing this weird game of U.S. men's national team Jenga, seeing where the pieces fit. But um, I, I think he he arrived at the right formula. It's just that, unfortunately, the second half had a bit of a different spin to it. Yeah, and and look, we'll come on to the why that was and and what happened. But I mean, we looked at this lineup again with the two bravest calls, I suppose, if you will, seem to be sticking Josh Sargent in up top. We haven't seen that for a little while, and and Tim Ream coming back into this side for his first cap in over a year. I mean, I think there was a little bit of shock about that call up. Now I watched Tim Ream every single week at Craven Cottage, and I was delighted to see him. But um, to get back in, I thought maybe. I thought maybe we'd see Jesus Ferreira today um, in sort of that role that Sargent was kind of playing. But I also think that today was a really solid argument for uh, Josh in that he demonstrated that he understands the dynamic of that role because they don't have that pure striker for the U.S. men's side. Um, and that he also knows when he needs to be drawing to drag to create space. Um, his spatial awareness is really good. Um, I think that he has a certain something to him that makes him suited to that role. But I mean, you still saw uh, a lot of the heavy lifting was being done by Pulisic. And quite frankly, he was getting fight clubbed out there. That was a rough go for him at every turn, literally. Um, I think in terms of Reem, again, um, he's the elder of the squad, but I think that having at least one player on there with the experience to do so, despite the fact that you know, he wasn't kept. He doesn't really have any experience in the last World Cup. Um, that goes along to what Dest. So, and that was what 2014 yeah. is we're calling experience. So um, I think that uh, Greg was maybe relying on a little bit of age there to sort of temper a lot of the youth on field. Cause you have everybody ranging from like what, 19, a lot of 22 year olds, maybe a couple 27, 28 year olds speckled in, but um I don't think I have any real qualms. I kind of expected, um, unfortunately, with that foul by Zimmerman that resulted in the the bail goal, um, that maybe they'd make a slight change to the back line in the second half and you'd see maybe like Scally. But I also expected that they'd kind of stay firing on all pistons like they had the first half, maybe not conceding that. I think it just got a little bit choppy and uh, maybe a little too aggressive. And the refs calls, I'm sorry, were not really serving anyone. There there was some consistency eventually, but in the wrong ways, if that makes sense. So I think that the initial two yellows were really soft uh, on McKinney, uh, also Dest. And then it was a question of like, well, if, if those are yellows, then like that yellow is also belonging to, deserving for bail, which he did award, but quite frankly, I don't think that any of those needed to happen. There were other instances where you have players down that they're, you know, isolating that, like stopping play and then also leaving Pulisic on the ground. I think we have some officiating issues. Yeah, I, I mean, I completely agree. It was it was a strange one in, in some ways. And, and there was lots of moments where you're like, OK, is that bail on a foul when he goes around the edge outside? He probably takes player before ball. 
And then if it's a foul, it's definitely a yellow. But I did wonder, and I was going to ask you what Nico Williams had said about America, because in the first couple of minutes, it was like every challenge was, oh, we'll just take Nico Williams out. We'll leave one on Nico Williams. <laughs> I was like, what's he said? What's he said and done to this US side to, uh, to have attracted that attention? Yeah, I don't know. I, it had to be something about somebody's mom. That's it. Yeah. That's my official conclusion. My best guess. I, uh, but yeah, I think that both sides did come out really. Yeah pretty grabby, a little aggressive. You saw the, that that press, which is fine because it makes it exciting football. But I think that that aside, a lot of people were arguing like, oh, well, that's all that Wales has to offer. And I was kind of, hey, hold up. I wouldn't say that so quickly because you forget and discount that they do have Gareth Bale, who is the master of never fit, but always uh, ready to go yeah. and effective yeah, he's popped up. He just pops up again. Um, and then Ramsey. Ramsey has always performed well for Wales. I mean, today he was kind of missing, but um, I think as far as whom they choose to entrust their goal scoring to, they're in safe hands. I mean, otherwise also a pretty young squad. Um, I think they have a few really good players, but um, I don't know. Like Kiefer Moore, good. Brendan Johnson in attack, good. But it's like, when do you... When do you pull the levers on those guys? I expected to see, I guess, probably one or both in there more action today. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. And, and, and actually, I want to come on to Kiefer Moore because I think he probably changed the entire dynamic of the game. Uh, and, and it was actually his introduction that shifted things. But just before we do, just a word. It's the first time we've seen the MM as a midfield for a little while for at least the last couple of months in the warm-up games or whatever I thought they were exceptional I thought Adams McKenney covered every grade of blade of grass I, I thought that when you looked at what Eunice Musa was doing and just pirouetting out of trouble at times to to just progress it all just felt really really nice and ultimately they ran the game for the first half they did I, I mean I I personally I I, I have favorites let's put it that way and i do like that mma combo um and i do think that slotting aronson always works out really well too in lieu of mckenny um obviously he's had some issues with injuries even throughout the season with juve that unfortunately when it's muscular or soft tissue you kind of have a hard time but he still was bringing his a game today so seeing sort of that dynamic and that little sassy heel flick to tyler was just like, all right, like little things like that that add the sauce in the midfield that make it enjoyable just as a football fan. Yeah, yeah. I, I think this is it. And, and and look, there was there was a question just before this one from Ryan that was saying, you know, it was that McKinney performance good or bad? I, I can't see huge amounts wrong with it or couldn't see it at the time. I think that, in fact, the way that Wales pulled themselves back into this game was by bypassing the midfield. And actually, that's probably yeah. the interesting I mean, thing here. Wales were doing a really good job um, of staying three high. And so they basically kept just forcing it. So that way, the U.S. had to send those balls over the top for the U.S. to try to get the midfield engaged, get Tawea, get some of those shots off, um, which, you know, not always the prettiest or most interesting way to play, but it was effective, you know? They're playing wide and drawing them in centrally. It, it wasn't bad strategically is what I'll say for sure. Um, <laughs> I think for me, um, Tyler was a standout, I think, because he was everywhere this match, so which is not surprising. He's just really impressive. He shows a lot of maturity for somebody his age, always i think he's completely deserving of that captain's armband for the duration of this tournament which i think is just outstanding um musa i think we'll see in this world cup i think we'll see a little bit of the flair that he's got i think that everybody's in you know chip center table so hopefully 
they make it out of the group stage and uh, we get to see a bit more than maybe the next two matches would offer. Jeff, Richard and I were talking about this before in the World Cup guide kind of show. And we were saying that Yunus Musa, that kind of spell under Gattuso feels like a really nice thing for him because the talent was always there. The ability to pirouette out of trouble was always there. That ability to pass. What I wanted to see from him was that little bit more aggression. And I was like, well, who better than Reno to, to stand yeah. up and, and, and bring that little bit for of aggression sure. to his game? And I thought we could see that today. Uh, I think that it's a work in progress, but I think that it's there. Um, this team... All in. I don't think that anybody's really, I mean, Kellen, Tyler, for sure, McKenney, like they're scrappers. So they'll get in it. Even Aronson, who you're like, oh my gosh, you are the wafiest. I swear, he just looks like somebody that wouldn't be uh, typically strong, but is. And you see them just like knuckle up. So I, I don't have any doubt in my mind about the amount of grit that this team has. But I think that, uh, I just missed that question, but it did pop up, and I saw that they spend too much time, too much in but the yeah, first. Yeah, I mean, I mean, was, yeah, was like the energy level the just there? The, is that what it is? The pace of this match was was a lot. It was a lot. I mean, that's a lot of ground to cover, especially with that back and forth that they had. I think that it just you also have to remember that I think that some of this lineup was chosen for fitness reasons because some of these players haven't played in like a month for real, real play, I'll say. Yeah. Like Europe, obviously, yes, but like some of the MLS sides, they've just been on the beach, essentially. So, I mean, yeah, it's going to take a lot out of you. But also, even for Wales, you saw everybody starting to cramp up. I just think that it just happened to be a pacey match um, with a lot of physicality. And, uh, yeah, you're going to be beat 99 minutes of, no matter how many subs you have, um, that level of tenacity that you're expected to come with, is it's high. Yeah, I mean, also all games are now apparently 100 minutes long, so that doesn't mm. really help, I imagine, yeah, in, in the heat. Yeah, the strangest thing. Time must work differently in Qatar. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. They've changed things. I, I actually, I wouldn't necessarily say that it was complete running out of steam. I just think Wales did well in trying to switch the, the kind of way that the game worked up. And actually, you know, you start this game out and, and Wales are getting absolutely overloaded in the middle there. And, and so the US completely control that first half. And there's some lovely hold-up play from Sargent. Obviously, the goal is great, the way that people looks that looks up finds that ball through and the, the run is perfectly timed so you know you come out at half time and you go well how are Wales they're so far off the pace here and the US are completely in control how do you change that up you bring the big man on suddenly they start to go a little bit more direct a little bit more route one and that midfield is quite unable to you know to get the same control on it because the ball isn't in those areas of the pitch anymore and you know there was five minutes at the start of the game at the start of the second half I mean where Kiefer or basically wins two or three balls up by the corner flag and suddenly Wales can flood forward. And that didn't right. happen in the entirety of the first half, right? That, that's the difference. They did a good job the of finding halves. the space and the width, unfortunately, and then just tucking behind, which is like, I don't want to say it's like the cheapest football move, but it's it's certainly the easiest, especially when it works. Because in order to close that down, if you're not shifting back, you're always going to have that man open to pivot. So um, it's it was... I feel a tale of two cities, tale of two halves for sure um, for the U.S. team. I, I think that they put in a great fight, though. Um, Matt Turner had a great match um, all in, um, especially for a player that, you know, only more recently made the jump to Arsenal um, from the Revs. Uh, not a whole lot of caps under his belt. Um, obviously, other keepers that had been 
you know, a bit more seasoned, even left off the roster. Um, that, you know, I think that that says a lot though, too, in Greg's faith in in Turner. And I I have no problem with like moving forward with him. He seems to have a pretty good eye. Um I'm interested to see now what exactly we put out for the England match. Yeah, well, I was going to say that there's a good question here from Ryan who says thoughts on, on no Gio Reyna. Do you think that's what this is? Obviously, they've been managing his minutes. That's fine. We understand that much. But in terms of not seeing him at all, obviously, Jordan Morris came in on the wing and not seeing Gio at all, I thought was a little bit rogue. Yeah, I mean, I think that's probably one of the few things that surprised me a lot about this match is I did expect to see Gio come in off the bench. Um, I think it's just a combo of fitness and minute management. Um, I think he had a recent injury and they're just sort of trying to make sure that he was up to speed 100%. But um, my expectation then would be that we'd see him in the starting 11 against England. So TBD. I mean, I'm not a sorceress, but that would be my best guess in why we didn't see him today. Yeah, I mean, um, similar question. Do you think? Do we think the kind of lineup will change for this England game? Because, you know, obviously it's been a it's a good performance. This in 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 general, I think. Obviously, the late twist makes it feel like maybe this is a worse result than it actually is. But generally, mm -hmm. I thought this was an impressive showing from from the US, and uh, I'd imagine no, there I thought be it was good. Changes. Um. Yeah, I feel like. The, the regular back line that we're kind of used to seeing is like Anthony Robinson, Dest, Aaron Long, Walker Zimmerman. And so I wouldn't have been surprised if that's what he ended up going with today. My preferred was what he started with today. I like seeing Zimmerman um, out there uh, next to Reem. Um, but I think it would probably be the inverse of what I guessed <laughs> for this match is that maybe we'll see Aronson start um against England and McKenney will be on the bench which would make a lot more sense too if he's actually limped off today um and I think we'll probably see um Scally next match and then maybe flip Jesus Ferreira for Josh in that role yeah um as sort of a striker but um I think that that's kind of as far as my imagination has ran in terms of England because I, how do you, I feel like this, these are the most optimal, the best possible lineups that the men's side can put out right now. Yeah. I mean, I mean also you can you, disagree, but no, no, not at all. But I, I think obviously you have, you keep wearing, I think because he, he was the one that stretched things vertically. He was the player that got in behind. And I think that's where England perhaps are vulnerable. Um, we saw that a couple of times with the Iran game today, you know, just the, the game, the, the players running off the, the edges of that back line found some joy. And I, I think Tim Ware is probably the player who has the most chance of, of getting those kind of spaces open. I, I wonder if Virginia Dest, wandered off a little bit sore. Uh, obviously, his minutes have been managed before this. And, and I wonder if, if Scally comes in, he comes in at right back. Because I thought Anthony Robinson was, was excellent today. I thought he was everywhere. Also, he was wonderful as make, at making those progressive runs up and down. The flank was just, I love him as a player. And mm. also, I just, I love his work rate. Um, he's really reliable. I think the only reason I say, uh, well, I mean, not the only reason I say Scally, but I think for me, initially, at the beginning of the match, I felt like Dest was always sort of a half step behind. It was like weird with the passing and flow. Once they got beyond that, um, it seemed like he had more of an anticipation that he was getting the ball, but lots of weird having to like turn out toward the line to retrieve a ball that went too far. Yeah. And it was that the balls were mispassed. I think it was just that 
his he was a little bit slower than he usually is. Yeah, yeah, uh, this is this is fair enough. I think it's uh, it's one of those where we're looking at and kind of go, how do you get in behind this England team? Obviously, they were good today, and and perhaps we should talk about them. And I, I believe that they were about <laughs> to be joined by Mr. Jay Harris of the Athletic <laughs> to <laughs> talk to talk about this England game. Um, okay, we're not quite yet, so we're not quite ready, but we'll we'll, we'll stay on that. Then we'll stay. Does he need the marching band? I hired them. So. They can play him in. I mean, <laughs> he's probably still out celebrating. I'd imagine. Uh, 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 <laughs> <laughs> after today's after today's rail, but you know it's, it's it's interesting to see kind of where where you go with this with the SUS team. But and I wanted to talk about Christian Pulisic. And actually, you mentioned the fact that Tyler Adams took the armband for this too. And, and I think there were there were question marks over whether Pulisic would be the one handed that again. Some players love wearing armbands, right? Some players, you know, and Gareth Bale, I think, is is, is a good example of this. When he wears that wear the armband for Wales, he becomes almost a giant. You know, he he he, to, he rises that occasion. I wonder if at times the armband has weighed heavy on Christian Pulisic. He was already expected to be quite a lot of this team's attacking creative thrust. And then suddenly he was burdened with an armband as well. I wonder if part of this is to do with the fact that he... You, can we just free him from those shackles a little bit and give it to someone who's who's slightly more dynamic in the middle of the park? Um, I think it may be a little bit of that, despite the fact that Christian's been very public in saying that he doesn't consider all of this a burden in terms of the expectations made upon him. I mean, it's been years and years and years in the making, honestly, even when he was a teen coming through, um, you know, baby camps. Um, but I think that uh, that probably tip the decision to allow the team to make a vote that's very, you know, democratic of them um, on who they thought should have the band. And the fact that they all voted for Tyler makes a lot of sense. I also just think that they're very different personalities, Tyler versus Christian in that, um, not that Christian isn't a team player, but I think that um, the expectations, I'll say, I don't wanna say burden, cause I feel like that has a negative connotation. The expectations for him, um, force you to be more inward facing and selfish. And I think that that makes sense in terms of getting match ready mentally. And I think that Tyler is always um, a very more like outward player that is always kind of being that big brother. And that's just part of his personality. So let the player that has that natural inclination um, that way with his teammates to keep things gelling you'll see he's the first one no matter what whether he has the armband or not the first one to try to interfere or cool heads when you know refs start going off and there starts to be arguments he's always in there uh, i just think he'd always demonstrated a maturity that far exceeds his actual age and it makes him the perfect one for that role yeah, I, I also just wonder if there's something about the actual role he plays, right? Adams's role is firefighting for others. And, and I suppose that's kind of what, what captains do in their own way in a kind of mental sense. Whereas Pulisic's role is about making things happen. And occasionally that is, you know, taking the extra touch, beating a player, making it happen yourself. And of right. course, I mean, like you have to, yeah, you have to make a lot of harder calls where you need to be more insular and focused on your own play. Cause whether or not you want to look at it as like, Oh, that's ego. No, it's, you are technically serving, you're serving your fellow teammates. And sometimes you have to be the guy to do that. And so it requires, I think a little less baggage to serve that cause. Okay. Indeed. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? 
Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. This episode is supported by Season 3 of FX's Welcome to Wrexham. Celebrity owners Rob McElhenney and Ryan Reynolds' small-town Welsh football club has finally been promoted into League 2 after 15 seasons in the National League. Dedicated staff and supporters celebrate the city's return to glory while bracing for the newfound challenges that come with being in a higher division. Will Wrexham AFC stand up to the challenges and rise again into League One? FX is welcome to Wrexham. Catch all new episodes Thursdays on FX. Stream on Hulu. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. Right. Now I believe Jay has joined us. It's time for us to flip over and talk about this game. Jay, how you doing, mate? How's it going? I'm doing all good. Sorry to disappoint. I haven't been out partying, though. I heard what you guys were saying just before I jumped on. No, no parties. Six, six goals. I thought you might be right at it. You know, it's, no, I wanted no, 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 like, no. instead of a band, you wanted an orchestra I should have hired to play you in. I, I wish, didn't know the song. I was hung up. <laughs> orchestra for next time yeah we'll, we'll make sure we'll make sure that <laughs> happens um jay i mean this was very impressive from england i thought and and when you look at this a lot of people are going to look back at this and go okay it's around they're on paper probably the weakest team in this group um but just the way that england play this game you have to play the opposition rather than the occasion and generally you know sitting back and kind of watching this from a stand you know neutral standpoint if you will I just thought the intensity, the uh, ability to go forward and make things happen, everything kind of clicked for England today. Yeah, I think a lot of people coming into this game thought Iran were going to be really defensive, really compact. We obviously know Carlos Kiros is a, a head coach who's kind of renowned for those tactics. So certainly I was at the Athletic HQ earlier today and a lot of the discussion was oh, it's probably going to be a 1-0, it's probably going to be a 2-0. And obviously there was so much talk as well about whether Southgate would go with a back three or whether he'd, you know, loosen it up a little bit and go with a back four. And obviously that's what he went for in the end. And as you kind of mentioned, the attacking freedom that they played with, I thought Luke Shaw and Kieran Trippier were were really impressive, especially Trippier down that right. In the first 20 minutes or half an hour or so, um, he was constantly free down that side. So it's really good to see an England team that were pushing numbers forward. There's been so much talk about unleashing Benningham and making sure that he could get into the box. And obviously he did. Like What an incredible moment for him to to score his first goal at a, a major international tournament and at a World Cup. I think he's now the second youngest um, goal scorer for England at a World Cup after Michael Owen. Just an insane talent. So to see him kind of given the the freedom to to do what he does best was amazing. But I think from, from front to back, England were pretty good. Obviously slightly disappointing with those two goals at the end. 
Um, but it was a it was a better performance than I think people expected, to be honest. Yeah, definitely, definitely. So, and and I think one of the the surprise names, Christine, was the fact that Bakayo Saka got that nod over Phil Foden, and well, this was some way of repaying the manager's faith in the Ealing Eusebio. I mean, I. I don't know how anyone can complain about anything that Saka does. No. Everyone should just automatically laud him and just give him whatever he wants to keep him happy. Um, he's just such a bright light for the England squad. Um, even if you don't root for England, um, he's just such an outstanding player. Um, and obviously, like, he shows it. He always shows up. Unfortunately, we will omit the Euros pens because that was just brutal. My heart broke for him despite the fact that I was rooting for Italy. Um, but uh, I think that that was the right call. But we'll find out, right? I mean, this is only Iran already. There's there's quite some, some way to go. Um, I just, I think that the Iran match was just really wonky in that early on you had that concussion that was yeah. just... The entire flow of the, for me at least, the entire flow of the match was shot at that point because now you're one distracted. You're like, is he okay? Is he not okay? The man is unconscious, like begging to be subbed off. And then you finally get going and we end up with what are like first a hundred plus minute match of this world cup where I'm like, maybe we can go for 200 minutes. I don't know. Like <laughs> there, there's full chaos devolving already. And we are the first full match day in now. Um, I don't know. I, I feel like for, for Iran, they don't have a, a terrible squad by any means, but they all need to practice shooting, apparently. I just found myself screaming at the TV, just tip your chest down. down. Why are you all skying the ball? <laughs> Help. Like, um, otherwise, you know, like I, I would expect them to get manhandled by England. Yeah, I, I mean, I didn't know what to expect from this England side. And I, I think this was the thing, you know, we, we talked about favourites and, and and kind of people that might flop before the tournament start. And I said that it wouldn't surprise me if England one nil their way to the final. Equally, it wouldn't surprise me if they went out in the group <laughs> stages. What I am surprised by is that they scored six goals in their first game. I don't think anybody was going to sit here and no. tell you that that genuinely, that, that was, was what they were thinking was going to happen. But it felt a little bit like English England unleashed. And, and, and actually, I think that was maybe the scariest thing for everybody else, not only in this group, but I think in the tournament, because if you do unleash this England attack, it looks incredibly ferocious. And, you know, scored six, Harry Kane got none of them. And off the bench, suddenly you've got, you know, Sterling, not sorry, Sterling, but Sterling scores and gets an assist before Raz, that. Yeah. Off the bench, suddenly then Callum Wilson gets an assist, Rashford gets a goal. Uh, and Grealish gets a goal. This is suddenly looking at, oh, okay, these replacements can come on and make things happen as well. And, and, and actually, that's pretty terrifying for everyone else, Jay. Yeah, I think what I thought after the game was there's obviously been a lot of criticism about Gareth Southgate, especially with, with what happened in the Nations League matches in June and September, about be, it being very slow and kind of like plodding along. But actually, his record in, in tournament football remains imperious. Like, it's exceptionally good. And I think that was almost a reminder that actually when... The, the serious stuff happens, Southgate kind of gets the job done and 6-1 and in this group, especially after the draw between the USA and, and Wales, you know, you're already in cruise control after after one game. Um, and yeah, I just think, as you kind of mentioned, what was so positive was all of those variety of goal scorers. I think it was Sterling's first goal at a World Cup, Rashford's yeah. first goal at a major international tournament. I think it's, is it Grealish's first goal at a major international tournament as well? Could, I think I it could, might well be. Yeah. I think it might be. So to kind of get those players up and running straight away is amazing. And just on Saka, 
I think what almost impressed me a little bit more in that game was that he never gets rattled. And I interviewed Saman Godos, who plays for Brentford and is a member of Iran's squad recently. And he spoke about just how tough and a little bit nasty Iran are when they're training with each other. They're constantly so physical with each other. And there are a couple of times in that game where Saka was kind of getting pushed around by the right back and he never, never flinched. He never kind of got rattled, never kind of pushed the player back or anything like that. And I thought... If you're doing that in the first game of a major international tournament, obviously we know Saka's an amazing person and he doesn't get caught up in that. But again, it was just such a reminder that he does not get phased in these situations. And I think that's maybe why he kind of gets then the nod over Foden because he's scoring the goals, but it's also just, he kind of just gets up and cracks on with it. He's always a threat. Even when he's not playing at his best, he's still, the movement he offers, he's still getting things done. So I think all round, it was just really good for England. Yeah, I mean, Christy, just to come on to a, a couple of bits in terms of where England go, I, I would say you, you look at this and go, OK, that's brilliant. But as soon as England face a team that they think are, are going to be a problem, is it going to be an immediate return to the five at the back and hope for the best? Because at that point, does that affect how the forwards think? And secondly, you know, in this group, is this going to be a, OK, can England play with a four at, all, at, at the back for all these games? And if they can... Is that going to be a suggestion that they're going to feel too much for everybody else? Because that performance, yes, it was Iran, but Iran, you know, this is all top 20 FIFA sides. We've talked about this group in that regard before. Mm -hmm. It was, I think it was a little bit terrifying. I think that um, there, yeah, of course, there's a potential for Southgate to do what Southgate does, which kind of sucks a lot of the fun out of, especially that front line, um, because it's overly cautious. Um, I think that the players start overthinking a bunch. You don't get to see a lot of what we saw with Iran because, you know, they basically went on a whole tangent where they're just like goals, goals. You don't see this, right? Like you see the more bland, like very beige football, which it gets the job done, but it's on par and excitement with like Cotinaccio. Like you're just like, okay, <laughs> we. <laughs> Yeah, it's been effective, but uh, I appreciate it. It's just not pretty. But I hope, my hope is not to put this all on Jude Bellingham, but as the only non-prem player that was called up, like I feel like he's got he's got a show out extra, not to mention he already did today, despite the fact that his name was misspelled on the graphic. Very weird. <laughs> Very weird. <laughs> Didn't enjoy that at all. <laughs> Um, yeah, no, it's it's been it's one of those where I think that a lot of things clicked and a lot of things went right in terms of the calls that were made today. Um, but but Jay, I mean, I, I'd be interested in your thoughts on that as well. You know, is this going to be one of those where we go, okay, England are great fun when they're playing teams, you know, who they think they're better than? And I've always maybe one of the questions with England has been, do they believe? Do they believe they can do it? As, as opposed to anything else? And and I suppose then when you come up against a team who are top four or five in the world. Um, you know, and, and Juju puts this in the, in the comments and says, do you remember Netherlands opening game in 2014 against the champions? One game doesn't give you the credit to win it all. And absolutely spot on in, in that regard. I just think it, it's really interesting to think about how they're going to do when they face a team of, of other quality, you know, or maybe of a raised quality in the Iran side we saw today. I definitely think there will be a switch back to a, a back three, a back five, whatever you want to call that system at some point in this tournament. And I think the the first goal England conceded is kind of like a, a perfect example of why that will happen. And I'm not going to hammer Harry Maguire because I think he actually had a pretty good game and he showed some elements of why 
Southgate's put his trust in him. I know he had, I think it was in Bellingham's goal where he quite, had quite a big part in the build-up where he's kind of won the tackle, kind of dribbled forward with it a little bit and then played quite a progressive line-breaking pass. That's what Maguire does give you. But also it's that kind of lack of mobility when you have Stones and Maguire as a centre-back pairing that is going to leave you exposed against the teams that, you know, England might expect to face in the last 16, the quarters, you know, your Brazils, your Frances, your Argentinas, your Netherlands, who've just got those players who are very, very quick in transitions and can can really expose you. And there were just a couple of signs of Iran. Had they kind of had the quality players to to do that, they, they probably would have had a little bit more success. So on the one hand, it was, yes, take the handbrake off, go crazy, England can do it, you know, don't, don't, don't allow yourself to be shackled. Pump that same... goal differential. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But at the same time, I thought, oh, okay, there's a couple of couple of things there I can see that Southgate's probably looking at. And he even came out in his um, interview after the game and said, you know, I'm a miserable so-and-so, like we shouldn't be conceding those two goals at the end, but he's right. Like, he, they're English. The, 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 the penalty is debatable, um, but that first goal, um, just the, the movement of Taremi is great, obviously, but that's not what you want to concede. And I think other teams looking at England will think, well, you know, if they play with a back four, they, we could definitely um, expose them. Yeah. Absolutely. I also think that like a lot of us, myself included, are very critical of Harry Maguire. And I do think we also have to take into consideration today that he also got like cracked in the head. So he also could have potentially had a concussion that he was playing with that could have. Well, apparently know, he's actually unwell. That's what David Ornstein's been reporting. That that it's not a it's not a concussion that he's that he's unwell. So because I equally think, bad. I mean, one is worse than the other, but equally bad. Yeah, but I, I think you know I'm kind of quoting off the top of my head here. But I think if he had a concussion, he would be ruled out for seven days of the tournament. So he mm. wouldn't play again in the group stage. Yeah. yeah. Um, or maybe he. When when's England's final group stage game? Next Tuesday, Wednesday. Mm. So he'd, he'd miss the normally, US, USA game at the very 10, least. 10 days, isn't it, sometimes? So I, I think we're, we're definitely in that kind of... I think it depends like, on what protocol yeah, you're yeah, following. Exactly. You're the, <laughs> yeah, he's potentially out of the final two group stage games if it was concussion, but it's being reported uh, by David Ornstein that he was actually unwell. So hopefully it's nothing too serious. This actually makes a lot of sense because I'm definitely not a Maguire apologist, but um, <laughs> I did have to point that out. I was like, no, no, something was off about him today and it might have been the bop in the head, but that I wish him well. Yes, well, yeah, I hope everybody's feeling better, including Baron Van, uh, the Iran goalkeeper, who took a really, really nasty collision, um, obviously caused all that injury time. And just one of those really weird ones where, you know, he obviously wanted to carry on briefly. That didn't look like a particularly sensible decision at the time. I do wonder if Iran had borrowed the Miami Dolphins uh, head injury staff, shall we say, very briefly. But uh, it's um, it was It's it was brutal to see then, someone like especially bleeding from the face at that point and the impact was just you knew it was bad even without mm. the blood he lost consciousness so you're like this man is limp like you need to remove him from the pitch this isn't this is not an okay situation anymore the fact that he stayed on i was a guess like you have your teammate throwing water from a water yeah, bottle onto yeah. that's your captain that's not good captaincy that's insane to me that's insane yeah yeah not not comfortable viewing was probably how i would phrase it but yeah, yeah. um uh, a good win for england nonetheless um jay thank you so much for for hopping on um and and talking about england with us you know it must have been an enjoyable one to watch it was, it was. I don't know if I'm allowed to quickly jump in on um, USA-Wales. You you, um, you may stay for as long as you like, mate. I was uh, just trying not to hold you. something good about the US or bad? <laughs> Pull his plug. <laughs> no, 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 a bit yeah, of both there. because I obviously was listening to you guys before and I, I agree, like, USA played really well in the first half. 
Um, and yeah, I thought um, Anthony Robinson looked really good. And, you know, the finish from Wales, like, absolutely sublime. And I thought the way that Wales were at times in the first half pushing up so high kind of just played into USA's hands completely. But then when they kind of switched uh, the tactics up and bought on Kiefer Moore, um, obviously just found it a little bit harder. But I still felt like you were in control. And then I just felt like it was a little bit of an experience thing that maybe meant that you didn't get over the line in the end. Because even from the from minute one, there were a lot of rash challenges. And I just felt like you don't need to be thundering around in, in your first game at a World Cup making those types of challenges and getting yourself a yellow card after 10 minutes in the first match of the group stages. And I just felt like it was that kind of, that little bit of, oh my God, this is the USA's first game at a World Cup in eight years. We've got a charge round. We've got to make it, make it look like we're doing the absolute most. And... I think that kind of fed into what happened in the end as well. I think, guys, just calm down, keep Wells out. And I think that was just what we saw from Zimmerman was just that kind of eagerness to just, oh, my God, let's just do something that he kind of got caught into the trap and, and made that tackle. I think you're bang on. Um, I think it's a lot of age um, or lack thereof, which, yeah. you know, long term is wonderful. But right now, um, I think there's the giddy up and go and just the um, – inability or lack of the full understanding of how to close out a match. Um, and that's what they got caught up in, which I get it, you know, and especially when you're buzzing about big matches like that, where you just want to go on like this goal scoring spree and like prove yourself we're here kind of a thing. Um, it's kind of hard to mitigate, but yeah, unfortunately like Zimmerman showing that um, left them exposed and, you know, you can't leave anything out in the open for bail because he will convert. Yeah, I mean, Ryan said in the comments, do you think the referee caught up in that all too? You know, it was his first game at a World Cup. He was a local referee, young referee. He seemed erratic and energetic for a World Cup. But I don't necessarily think that's necessarily a bad thing, that he's, you know, energetic. And, and, and he was very stern with how he was dealing with players. He was very sure in his decisions. But I can I... see maybe why you might think that was the case. I try not to be hypercritical of referees because that's certainly a job that I would never want to do yeah. and have also never done. Like there's no amount of money in the world that can convince me to do that job. <laughs> I respect them a thousand percent. But I think with this ref in particular issues that I have are just, I think some of the yellows were soft. Um, the pros to the way that he was roughing is that at least he was consistent. It doesn't necessarily mean that I agree with the calls, but at least he was consistent. And then there was some choppiness where it's like, you know, player down, let's stop play for some, but not for others, where I was like, yeah. okay, here's where it's getting disjointed. Um, not to be like, you know, inflammatory, but like, if you're going to ref poorly, like ref everything the same way, like burn it all <laughs> down, um, make bad calls across the board, but like, make sure they're all bad calls, not, you know, miss some, get some, pull some back, because then it really does impact the flow of the match. And you have calls where it's like, oh, well, that's a pen. That's not a pen. That shouldn't have been a pen, um, which I don't think happened too often, but it just early on. And well, that contributes a little bit to the U.S.'s inability, apparently, to capitalize on set pieces, which they obviously need to go back and train because I don't know what was going on there, especially even in the first half. But 
they're not perfect. What can I say? Well, it's not. It's also <laughs> the last thing you want to be able to do when, when England are coming to town next, because that yeah, was that was the highlight yeah. of the England attack. I think generally set pieces tend to have been good the last couple of tournaments, and it, and again today that that shone out. I think as as one of the things you can stick with. And um, before we finish up, I just want to talk very briefly um, about this game between the Netherlands and Senegal. The Netherlands won it two 0 It wasn't the most exciting game in the world, Christine. Um, and I think today we saw a lot of we lot of good games, or at least a lot of exciting games. And, and this one, especially in the second half, really did feel like a sleep fest. I had a hard time making it through the second half of that this match, particularly. Um, I think that I expected more um, from the Netherlands um, going into this match. Um, so I think that dimmed a bit of... Um, I don't know, my overall sense of where this match would be and where it would be going. Um, Senegal also, it just like very meh, like very flat, not particularly anything interesting either way, um, which is surprising because, you know, the Netherlands have had a decent run in the past, um, not so distant either. So it's it's like, what, what happened to you guys? Um, I don't know. It didn't do much for me. I think this was my, my match of the day where I was just like, okay, it's, I guess we're here and we're watching the lull, it. The lull in the middle, right? Yeah, this, this, like, this I don't know. I don't know if this match is um, is sort of representative of what we'll see from both sides for the rest of the group stage, or if this was atypical. And I, I don't. For me, like there wasn't enough to go on either way to say, oh, this is just happened to be this match. Yeah, I, I mean, I thought that the first half was okay. Um, and then yeah. actually after the break, it, it really fell apart a little bit. But, you know, obviously some big names missing from both sides. Now we've talked, Jay, about, you know, the fact that Sadio Mane isn't there. And I thought they looked a little bit sharp, you know, in, in, in shot of confidence in that Ismail Assar usually plays on the other side. He did okay, um, I thought. But Giata didn't liven much up for, for that period. And then Memphis Depay was missing for the first half, or at least the first sort of 60 minutes. And Janssen and Bergvine wasn't a particularly exciting forward line for the Netherlands either. In good news, Frankie de Jong absolutely lit this game up for a, for a little period. <laughs> and I love it when Frankie does well. I forget how young he is. If that makes, you know, there's certain players that you just, in your brain, they reside in this space that they're older or alternately, they're much younger than they are. Yeah, I don't know how to explain that phenomenon or if there's a name for it. The Germans probably have one. Um, <laughs> yeah. Or the, I, or the Scandinavian countries. They'll be yes. like 15 <laughs> words wrapped together. <laughs> but it, it, it's just, I don't know if, it, like, is it that he's so talented? I expect him to be older than he is or what. But either way, um, I hope he specifically has a good tournament. But yeah, I, I knew that... Um, Mane dropping literally in the last minute with an injury, which is heartbreaking for, I mean, for him, for everyone, honestly, you want to see a good ball. Um, you want to see ballers ball. You're, you're going to miss out on somebody like Sadio Mane. Um, but his absence was so deeply felt <laughs> that it's like, Oh, really like kind of handicapped Senegal. Yeah. Yeah. I was just going to say that you saw how integral Mane is to, to Senegal in this game because I felt like in the first half in particular, there were moments where this game was was quite open, where both teams seemed to be pushing numbers really high up. Um, and the issue with Senegal is that the second they, you know, that classic thing, the final pass, the final, the final touch, just was completely missing. And that's where when you've got someone who 
plays at such a high level that, that Mane has done. He's obviously won African Football of the Year award twice, Champions League, Premier League, you name it all. That's where a team like Senegal needs their main players in the biggest moment to just step up and, and pull something out of the blue. And they just didn't have that. But I mean, they were, what, six minutes away from a really good result without their, be without their best player. They were looking defensively pretty solid. And then... You know, you can argue if Mendy makes a mistake for the first goal, but the second goal definitely that that the the parry he makes is is particularly weak, and I just felt gutted for them a little bit. You know, they were they were that close to. I wouldn't necessarily say it was a shock result, but getting a draw, missing your your most influential player, would have been a great start to the group. But now they're on the back foot, and uh, yeah, just felt bad for them really. Yeah, I you think they're going to make it through group stage. I don't know because I obviously know I'm more familiar with um, Senegalese players than I am with Ecuador's players just because more yeah. of them play in European leagues. So I could come on and say out of bias, well, I know Senegal have Kulabai and, and Saar, but I don't know anything about Ecuador if I'm being completely honest. And they obviously played pretty well against Qatar, but then Qatar they weren't even playing at full at all. speed against it, Qatar. There you go. So I think. So I, yeah, I, it's funny because I think we have. Um, our biases, they match up. They're good because I know less about the <laughs> Senegal squad oh, okay. outside of like my specific players that I follow for various reasons, including Serie A. But um, yeah, I think I think we'll see a lot more out of Ecuador than people expect. And I think that um, for anyone that hasn't watched them play, that first match is not indicative of what they're capable of doing. So I think it could get fun on that side. Yeah, so, I mean, uh, it's a nice, it's a nice also final game, isn't it? That 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 kind of game where you're going, okay, then let's see Senegal, Ecuador, and let's have it at a point where we're we're ready to see these two teams scrap it out for a place. So, I I edged to Senegal as well, but I was colder on Ecuador, and I didn't think they were gonna. I was worried about who's gonna score the goals, and uh, Enne Valencia has ended that argument pretty uh, cohesively on on minute one of the of this tournament. I have to just throw in quickly that obviously I'm flying out to Qatar next Monday and one of the games I'll be going to is Senegal-Ecuador. I think it's the first game I go to, actually, while I'm over there. So Oh, that's I'll, amazing. Uh, I'll have to send in a little uh, a video for the, video for the show report. to use or something like that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. We'll take you up on that offer, Jay, 100%. Um, but with that, I think it's probably time for us to call it a day here on the Athletic Soccer Show. We've run through uh, three games today. We saw the USA draw one all with Wales. We saw England beat around 6-2 and the Netherlands beat Senegal 2-0. And we go into Group C. C and D tomorrow but all that's left for me to do is to say thank you very much to my guests to Christine Cooper thanks it's been, a, it's been a real pleasure likewise Jack happy to be here fun times well, it's great fun times um even if the results didn't go quite to plan for the US uh, <laughs> thank you very much to we'll Mr. see you on what Friday <laughs> no worries. thanks for having me on and, and let me gloat about England no I mean it's it's just one of those you got you got have someone who's going to do that and it, it, it wasn't going to be somebody to come out with like the England jazz hands and be like oh look at what we did <laughs> oh, yeah it, it wasn't going to be me let's put it that way so I'm glad you've been able to, to, to bring that to the party Jay I've been Jack Collins this has been your World Cup Roundup on the Athletic Soccer Show and we will see you later in the week. Take care.